We're going to read verse 12 through verse 20 together, but I'll come back to verse 1 in a moment. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 20. Ready? Together, out loud. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain." Ye are not yet in your sins, then ye, they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Father, I pray that you bless the reading of your word today. I ask that you would give uh, an anointing to the reading of Scripture and the preaching of Scripture. I pray that you would anoint the hearing of the message and that you would anoint the decisions. Help us as we uh, hear and heed. And Lord, help us to do and uh, say what we need to do and say in this life. Help us, Lord, to guard our tongues, but Lord, also to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading when it's time to speak up. I pray that you'd help us as we go from this place in a moment to be better prepared to reach this world, to better be better prepared to live a godly life in this world, to raise a godly seed. I pray that you bless all that is said and done. I thank you for the fellowship that we'll, we'll enjoy later and uh, bless this time in, in, in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most significant event in human history. And it is the reason we can have hope. How many of you still have your cross, by the way? I, 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 like, I just like asking that question. So I want to see who still has it. Not that that's a requirement, but, uh, but this is a, a nice little thing to keep, keep with you. And uh, as a reminder of the most significant event in human history. Now, we hear a lot of preaching about the cross, but we cannot forget that three days later, we have the resurrection of Jesus, the most significant event in human history. And that is the reason that we can have hope. If there was no resurrection, then we shouldn't be here today, okay? There's no purpose in us coming to church without, without this special event, significant event. See there in verse number one, moreover, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Now here, verses one through four, this is called the gospel in a nutshell. Now it's maybe not written there in the, the uh, title above. The, if your Bible's like mine, I've got different titles. The one in this paragraph is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't say the gospel in a nutshell, but just in, in case you want to know, and if you want to write it in there, you can write the gospel in a nutshell. Because somebody, what is the gospel? Well, this is what the gospel is. Verse number one. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Meaning, they believed and they had confidence in this message. 
Verse, verse 2, by which also ye are, what's the next word? Look at it, if you will. If you need a Bible, there's one right there in your pew. Look on there, if you would, or look on with somebody and, uh, and point that out to somebody. If they're reading with you, point that next word out. By which, ye also, by which also ye are, and say it out loud together, ready? Ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Okay? For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. It was prophesied, it was declared, it was written down that Jesus died according to the Bible, the scriptures. He died, why? Because he had committed a crime? No, because we had committed crimes. Because of our sin. What do you mean crime? Well, the Bible says that sin, it defines sin as this. Sin is the transgression of the law. God's law. The Ten Commandments are God's law. This is the guide for, for how we know what is, God, what is God's heart, what is his mind, what is his moral view. The moral law of God, we hear the Ten Commandments. The first commandment is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Okay? Now there's some, some views in Christianity, they, they take that whole second one out. Because they like to have idols. So they take the second one out and they go up to number nine and divide that into two and then they get ten. Alright? But um, the second commandment is, thou shalt have not make unto thee any graven image image that means don't have an idol god is not made with hands god is not some idol i remember years ago driving around milwaukee people used to have we used to call them their idol on their in their car they used to have a little i remember the crown i don't know if it was an air freshener you remember the air fresheners in the car some of you are now now i'm starting to say what people used to say and don't get mad at me those of you that are older than me now i'm dating myself you know because I remember being a kid and seeing those crowns. Maybe it had some other, maybe it was gang affiliate. I don't know what, what that was about. But uh, they, I grew up on 44th in Hampton, 70th in Lisbon, 25th in Wisconsin. And we saw those, those cars that were all, uh, you know, fixed up. Really nice older cars, but they were fixed up. And you could hear them coming two miles away. But I always remember seeing those little things on the dashboard. And I said, Dad, what is that? What is that crown for? He said, oh, that's just their idol or something like that. And I think he was kind of saying that facetiously. The car was their idol, right? And they were worshiping that car. Some of us worship sports teams. Some of us worship other people. Some of us worship, essentially, ourselves. Because we're putting ourselves before God. Uh, you know, we're breaking that first commandment. And there's some people in this world that they legitimately make themselves an idol, a physical, uh, handmade type image that they worship. The third commandment is, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. We hear God's name drug through the mud all week long, don't we? And uh, you watch television, you go to work, you hang out with... Some of your friends or family members, and some people just are so flippant with the name of God. And it's, it's, it's egregious. And then we see that uh, we should keep the Sabbath day, a day of rest, right? And uh, so on. And uh, to honor our parents. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things that um, we are guilty 
a lot of laws that we're guilty of breaking. You might be saying, well, I've never even so much as jaywalked, Pastor. Well, have you ever told a lie? And I said, well, I've told white lies before, but nothing really serious. Do you know that that white lie is still a lie? And if you tell one lie, then you are now a liar. If you commit one sin, you are now a sinner. And you might be saying, Pastor, don't call me that. Well, I'm calling myself a sinner as well, okay? I was born into this world with that sin nature because of the, the sin nature I received from Adam, my forefather, your forefather. We're all part of the human family. We're all part of this one, uh, one group of people, the only group of people that are descended from Adam and Eve, and we received at birth a sin nature. And so we're guilty of breaking God's law. Not only are we guilty of uh, the, sin, the sins that we commit, but the sin that we inherit, okay? We are sinners. And so he says there that in verse number four, not only was he, he died for our sins according to the scriptures, but he was buried. Uh, you go to John chapter 19, you can read about the burial, but he was there three days. And the Bible says that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This was prophesied. Jesus himself spoke the prophecies. And then the Bible says that he was seen of Cephas and of the twelve. But we see here the gospel message. The gospel is the message of salvation. Because you and I are sinners, we deserve to go to hell. But the good news is that in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the good news is in the second part of verse 23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not through some, some uh, prophet, not through some miracle worker. No, the Son of God, Jesus. God in the flesh. Jesus, uh, Jesus acknowledged his deity. But the Bible says in John chapter 1, the word... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And in verse 14, the Word, Jesus, became flesh. God became man. Jesus came to die on the cross. And so the gospel is the message of salvation. We need to be saved from our sins, salvation from sin. Letter B, Christ died for our sins. Then letter C, Christ was buried and raised on the third day. So that's the gospel message. Don't forget about the resurrection. He died, yes. He was buried, yes, but he rose, giving us power over sin. Number two, the resurrection of Christ is a historical fact. Verse five, we saw that he was seen of the 12 and of Cephas in verse six. And after that, he was seen above uh, 500 brethren at one time, at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are fallen asleep. But most when this was written, could acknowledge, yes, we saw Jesus. They were eyewitnesses. The empty tomb, the tomb in which Jesus was buried, was found empty on the third day. That was witnessed. People saw this. You think about the soldiers who were given the job to watch the body of Jesus. Well, what in the world was were they watching? He was dead. Well, they were afraid that the disciples were going to come and steal him away and say, well, he, see, he, he's alive. 
He's not in the grave anymore. He's alive. The disciples didn't have to do that. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead, rolled the stone away, and the guards (laughs) saw an empty grave, and they were bribed to lie about what they had seen. What grave? What are you talking about? Yeah, the, the disciples stole the body. He didn't arise from the grave. We didn't see any angel. There is no natural explanation for the disappearance of the body other than the fact that people saw him alive after his death. He didn't pass out. He was dead for three days. Uh, Letter B, eyewitness accounts. Hundreds of people saw Jesus live after the crucifixion. These eyewitness accounts are documented in the New Testament. They provide evidence. He appeared to Cephas or Peter in verse 5. Christ appeared to the 12, verse 5. He appeared to more than 500 brethren, verse 6. And then he appeared to James in verse number 7. The Bible says, after that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And then letter uh, number 6, Christ appeared to Paul. Here's Paul writing the book of 1 Corinthians. He's writing of his own account. He said, this is what I saw, verse 8. And last of all, he puts himself last in this list of eyewitnesses. He said, last of all, he was seen of me. If you don't believe those 500 people, if you don't believe the apostles, if you don't believe Peter, if you don't believe uh, those that were at the grave and saw the empty tomb, I saw him, Paul says. He says, last of all, he was seen of me also as one of as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles. Oh yes, he was an apostle. Paul saw the risen Savior. He was commissioned and called to be an apostle. But he says, I'm the least. He said that I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Here's a man who, when he met Jesus, when he saw Jesus, his life changed. We see there, uh, letter C, changed lives. The disciples, their lives changed. Uh, Other followers of Jesus were transformed. They were transformed from fearful and despairing people to bold and courageous witnesses of the resurrection. And this transformation can only be explained by the fact that they had seen the risen Jesus and knew he was Alive. Saul, as he says there, or Paul, he says, I used to be called Saul. Remember? His name was Saul. And he said, I I was the guy that persecuted Christians. I was the guy that didn't like Jesus. But when I saw Jesus and he said that I am the Lord, I'm the one you're persecuting, his life was transformed. He changed. It would be, I mean, that, I don't think you could get any more 180 degrees than that. I mean, he went from this direction of persecuting the church to now he's edifying the church. He's starting churches. He's preaching the gospel. He's preaching Jesus. And so we see transformed lives are a powerful uh, proof of the resurrection. It's not just evidence. This is proof of the resurrection. Change lives. It wasn't just one life. You know, you could maybe, yeah, well, you know, that guy, he's a, little, he's a little crazy. You know, hundreds, thousands of lives transformed. So we see letter D also, the conversion of skeptics. People who were originally skeptical of the resurrection. James, the brother of Jesus. Saul of Tarsus. 
who became Apostle Paul. They were convinced of its truth when they encountered the risen Savior. Amen? The disciples talked with him. They ate with him. They fellowshiped with him. They touched him all after his resurrection. You might say, well, how do you know they didn't just make this up? You know? A lot of people start religions, don't they? It used to be said, if you want to start a religion, just go to Los Angeles and stand on a corner and start a religion. And uh, most of the disciples paid for their beliefs with their lives. That's why I say I know <laughs> that they didn't make it up. Their testimony, they paid with their life. Their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they paid for that faith with their life. They died a martyr's death. They suffered, they bled because they believed in Jesus enough to die for their faith. And someone has said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. That is a true statement because you think about what happened in the first century when you're killing off Christians because of their faith and, and uh, we got to stop this crazy revolutionary movement. we got to stop this. This is, this is just getting out of control. And what happens? Does it stop? No, the movement grows. Because people believed. Because it was true. It wasn't just a fad. The growth of Christianity, letter E, despite intense persecution and opposition, Christianity grew throughout the world. Most religions are based upon a theological dictum or ideology, but not Christianity. Christians, uh, for Christians, everything stands or falls on the veracity of the resurrection. Is it true or not? And Christians risk everything on this one belief. So Christianity is either a leap in the dark, an irrational credulity, and an ignorant faith, or it is a belief consistent with historical facts and the testimony of reliable witnesses. Number three, what if there had been no resurrection? Now, I'll give you these uh, few points here. There's six points, and I've, I actually have gotten these points from an old friend, somebody I never met, but somebody I highly revere, a man named Adrian Rogers. I don't think I can improve on what he said. What if there had been no resurrection? Look at verse number 12. We read these verses. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain and your faith is also in vain? Preaching would be profitless. If there had been no resurrection, preaching would be profitless. If Christ had not been raised from the dead, then the preaching of the gospel would be in vain. It would be futile. There would be no point. It would be worthless. Jesus is still in the grave. What is the point of preaching about a risen Savior when Jesus is still in the grave? If there had been no resurrection, then faith would be foolish. There'd be no point in preaching. There'd be no point in believing. 
It's not enough to believe that Christ died for your sins if you don't believe that God raised him also from the dead. Then our faith is in vain. Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. See, this is not just some kind of, well, you know, this is my religion, that's your religion. This is the only truth. Everything else is just belief in a man's teaching. I can learn a lot from somebody's life. I've observed some people's life. You know what they say, uh, that nobody is completely worthless. You can at least serve as a bad example, okay? There's some people that I've watched, and I'm like, man, I wish I, 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 wish I could uh, do one-tenth of the things that they've done in their life. And I could follow their example. Then there's some people I'm like, I don't ever want to do what they're doing. You know, I'm the kind of person that has to learn the hard way. I don't know if there's anybody in here like this. But as you learn the hard way throughout life, if you make it to your 20s and if you make it to your 30s and maybe your 40s and 50s, there comes a point where you say, you know what? Learning the hard way is not really the best way. I need to start just kind of watching what these other people are doing that are doing it the wrong way. And I just need to learn from their bad example. And I need to just stop doing what they're doing. And, you know, there's a lot of teachers, there's a lot of gurus, there's a lot of leaders in faith and, and uh, religious figureheads, and man, you could probably learn some things from their life, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to follow them, because they cannot say what Jesus said. They are not God. They didn't die for the sins of the world. They didn't rise from the dead. Only Jesus can uh, honestly make that claim. It's the truth. The disciples uh, not only would uh, faith be foolish and preaching be profitless, but the disciples would be deceivers. Verse 15, he says here, Yea, and we are found false witnesses. You see that? False witnesses. That's another way of saying we'd be liars of God. Faultless, faultless witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised up not up. If so be that the dead rise up. Meaning if Jesus hadn't really raised, been raised from the dead... Then he wouldn't have been raised from the dead. And we'd be false witnesses. We'd be liars of that testimony. Paul is not saying, don't get confused by the way he writes this. He's not saying that Christ is, is still in the grave. He's saying that if Christ is still in the grave, then we are mistaken. If Christ has not been raised, then we are false witnesses. Do you know what a false witness is? A false witness is somebody who goes into a courtroom, is put on the witness stand, swears that they're going to tell the truth, and they do not tell the truth, they lie. That's a false witness. They knowingly and willingly, deliberately perjure themselves. They become a false witness. They are no longer dependable. They are a liar. They commit perjury. Now, some of you know that I'm in the police academy, and I learned something this week. It's called police perjury. It's a whole nother level. If a, if, if a police officer lies on the witness stand, they are put on a list that for the rest of their life, they can no longer testify in court and be considered a credible witness. There's something called the Brady List. You do not want to be put on that list. Because your word is worthless. 
that would be devastating, wouldn't it? To be known as, a, you're a known liar. Well, that's what the disciples, they, they, they would be false witnesses. They knew better. Liars and martyrs, by the way, are not made of the same stuff. Somebody has said a man may live for a lie. There's a lot of people who live a lie. And they live their life lying. But few will die for a lie. These people, the disciples, testified. They said that Jesus is alive. He is alive. And we know that he's alive. It wasn't that, oh, we went to the grave and the body's not there. No, they didn't just see an empty grave. And praise God for the empty grave. But they saw the risen Savior. They saw him. They touched him. They saw the body of Jesus with life in that body. He spoke with them. He fellowshiped with them. They sealed their testimony, many of them, with their own lives. As, they, as I've already mentioned, they died the martyr's death. They said, we're not just going to live for a lie. We'll be willing to die for this testimony that this is true. They couldn't stop talking about him. If you go to Acts chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, but listen as I read. Uh, they didn't just, this just wasn't just something they did on Sunday. You know, oh yeah, we're going to go to church. They lived their life talking about Jesus and what they had seen. Acts 4, 18, and they called them. Here's the government officials. They called the, the apostles. They commanded them not to speak or at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. They, they got tired of hearing them speaking about Jesus. They got tired of hearing them preaching about Jesus. And they brought them in, and they, they commanded them, stop speaking in the name of Jesus. Stop preaching about Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you, more than unto God judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They couldn't stop speaking about him. Sad to say some Christians stopped speaking about Jesus. We got we to gotta come back to the place where we met Jesus at that old rugged cross. Our sins were forgiven. We laid down our burden. And we took up the robe of righteousness and we need to remember anew and afresh the blessings of God in our life. Oh, the world wears us down. The devil wears us down. Our flesh wears us down. But we got to cast off all of those things, all of those distractions, and all of those sins, and come back to Jesus and say, Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul and making me whole. Thy great salvation so rich and free. Oh, thank God for his goodness to us. Not only would the disciples be deceivers, but letter D, sin would be sovereign. Verse 17, verse 16, for if the dead rise not, then, he, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, then your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. If Jesus hadn't risen from the grave, then we're still lost in our sins. If Jesus is still in the grave, then God didn't accept the payment for our sin. But when God raised Jesus up, that was proof that the full payment had been made. That's why Paul says in Romans 4.25, he was delivered up for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. What does that mean? 
Well, that means that he died for our sins. But not only did he die for our sins, he rose for our sins. I think of that song, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away. And praise God, I can't find those sins anymore. God doesn't remember it against my account. He says, I see the blood of Jesus. I don't deserve that. You don't deserve it. None of us deserve the goodness of God and the grace of God. And, uh, but the rest of that song goes, living, uh, you know, um, rising he justified freely forever. And uh, we think about the eternality of the message of the gospel. It's not just, well, you know, every time I sin, I got to come back to God and he's got to, you know, he's got to forgive me again so that I don't go to hell. No, when you get saved, praise God, you are in Christ. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You are forgiven forever. Oh, yes, we have the flesh. We can still go into sin. But that's not to say that God hasn't forgiven those sins. He forgave them all. He washed all of our sins away. It was, it was uh, not counted against us any longer. He put our sins on Jesus the day that we received that forgiveness. All of our sins. We see that uh, without the resurrection, we would have no hope. Letter E, death would have dominion. Verse 18, death would have dominion. See that? Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. That means that, uh, that those that died, are, are, there's no life, there's nothing, there's nothing uh, that came of that life. When they died, they died. That's it. But we know that the Bible says that if we are in Christ, when we die, we don't just, uh, you know, our body doesn't just go into the ground. And our soul and our spirit are just, uh, they just cease to exist. No, the Bible says that absent from the body, that means that our soul and spirit are going somewhere, is to be present with the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, verse number, chapter 4, verse 16, the dead in Christ shall rise. Now, I'm just going to give you a little pop quiz because we talked about this earlier. Who goes first in the rapture? Whose body goes first? Those that are alive or those that are dead? The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Letter F, the future would be futile. Verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. See, that's what some people think that Christianity is. They say, oh, it's just a crutch. See, eh, you know, some people have, have their, uh, their group. They go to their meeting every week. Some people have uh, maybe their other crutches. Maybe it's an addiction of some sort. Uh, they got something to kind of cope, help them cope with life, to get through all the hard times, and, and to help them to at least just kind of get to the next day. That's just all Christianity is. See, Christianity is for some people that just, uh, they need something like, uh, they, need, they just need to get together with other people and just talk about God, and, and it's, it's, just all, it's just all kind of a, a crutch. 
But he said, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, in, if in this life only, that would be the definition of a crutch, where we're just trying to get through life. But that's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is life eternal. It is not just to get through life. It is life beyond this life. We are saved from an eternal penalty away from God in hell. We have been forgiven from all of that which God would have to pour out on us, which because God loves us, that is not his desire. He desires to be merciful to every single person. There's some people that we don't like very much, but you know what? God loves them just as much as he loves you. He doesn't want to send them to hell, but there's some people that are choosing to go that direction. They've rejected God. He said, I don't want that because they're being deceived. They're being told all kinds of lies. They've never, they've never actually listened to the, to the message of the gospel, or maybe they didn't. They just said, I don't want that. I reject it. It's just a crutch, maybe. There's some people that are choosing to go the way that nobody, if they ever got, when they, when they got there, would ever want anyone else to go, let alone themselves. But we're saved from eternal damnation. What we experience in this life, the hope that we have in this life, is just a little bit of icing on the cake, to be honest with you. All the good things that we experience because of our, our relationship with God in this life, that's just icing on the cake. The real prize is eternity. The Christian message is not about wealth and prosperity and having a good life down here. The message of Christianity is to live for God and to bring as many people with us to heaven because of our love for the Lord and our love for our fellow man. So if the message of the resurrection is not true, then we've got nothing to live for. We've got nothing to live for, except for maybe a little bit of a crutch. See, without Christ, we are, of all men, most miserable. This whole thing of time and space is a bad joke. It makes no sense. It's just chaos if Christ is not raised. There's a purpose for this life. Sad to say, so many people have not realized their purpose. If Christ is not raised, then there's no future. But I want to tell you that he is raised. Look at verse 20. I want to tell you he is raised from the dead. The Bible says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Those that pass away in Christ get to partake. Instantly are partaking in the first fruit. They are the ones that get to experience the, uh, the life that God has given to us through Jesus. Because, uh, because of Christ, we have a reason to live. Because of Christ, death has been defeated. Because of the resurrection, the future is hopeful. Not only is the future hopeful, it's fabulous. The future is awesome. We don't have to live our life forgetting that death is inevitable, forgetting that someday we're just going to perish, and trying to numb our senses to that reality 
for the believer, death is just a step into a beautiful future. We have that hope. You can say I'm crazy. That's okay. I still love you. God loves you. But because of Christ being raised from the dead, he has taken the sting out of, out of sin. He has taken the gloom out of death. The victory of the grave has been taken away. There's no dread in dying anymore. We have a steadfast hope. It's sure. We can take it to the, to the bank. <laughs> Praise God for his his gift to all mankind. I'm sorry that some have not received salvation. I'm sorry that some have rejected Jesus. And we, we, love, we love everybody. We love everybody. But sad to say, not everybody loves God. Not everybody wants what God has given to them. I'd ask you this morning, if you would, put your faith in Jesus. Stop trying to somehow please God on your own because none of us can please God in our sinful condition. That's why he sent a Savior. Jesus is our substitute. He took God's wrath on himself on the cross. He did what we could not do. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. See, when we pay for our sins, if we were to go to hell and reject Jesus and go to hell, we'd pay for our sins forever. But there's no resurrection from that death. But because the perfect son of God who had sinless blood flowing through his veins, he died in our place. He was able to have victory over something that we have no power over. See, Paul said, when I was yet without strength, Christ died for me. When we were yet without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. We have no power over death. Except through Jesus. Thanks be to God who giveth us the victory. Amen? And when the Bible says we're more than conquerors, it's because of Jesus. Not, not us. Not us. It's Jesus who died for you. I already alluded to this, but Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of our sin is death. We deserve that. But the gift of God is eternal life. And it's only through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus said in John 14, I'm the way the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You have to come by the way of the cross. It's a humble death, of course. He was magnified. He was lifted up in front of the whole world, essentially. You think about capital punishment today. It's not done in the same way. But this Roman death, this scourge, this horrible, uh, this horrible painful, uh, shameful death that Jesus died for us, he was lifted up for the whole world, essentially, to see. Praise God. He died for us. But that's the only way that we can be saved, is through that cross. And so, the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. We have to come to him, his way. Not say, well, I'm just going to start giving to God's work, and then he'll, 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 you know, he'll give me uh, some credit for that when I get up there, and he'll let me into heaven. Oh, no, I'm going to get baptized, and praise the Lord, we're going to have three baptisms this morning, and hopefully a couple next week and the week after that. 
And we're looking forward to doing those things. But you know what? Baptism. That's a, I'm trusting that. You know, I got baptized as a baby, maybe you say. Or, I, you know, I, I joined a church and I did a bunch of, of those types of things that, you know, God expects us to do. And when I get up there, then he'll let me into heaven because, because of that. Well, I'm sorry to tell you this morning, in, on one hand, that's bad news. But on the other, other hand, I'll tell you some good news. On one hand, that's bad news because that's a false assurance. You think that somehow God is going to let you into heaven because of something that you did. That's not in the Bible. That's, that's man's teaching. Man has corrupted what God has told us to do. That's the bad news. The bad news is that you're trying to work your way into heaven. The good news is that Jesus already did what was necessary for all of us to go to heaven. So we just have to put our trust in what he did. The finish, as the Bible calls it, the finished work of Christ. He died on the cross. He did all the work necessary. He was buried. He rose again. That's the finished work of Christ. Put your trust in Jesus. Not in the church. You might say, well, pastor, you want people to join your church. You talk about baptism and church membership and all those things. You want people to come here to church. Well, I want people to come here, but I don't want to tell them a lie and say that somehow joining a church is going to get them into heaven. The message of the gospel is for all people. It's not based on going to church. It's not based on membership. It's not based on, on any of those things. It is based solely on having that relationship with God through Jesus. And of course, today I'm going to tell you, you come and talk to one of us. We'll counsel you through the word of God, but this is your decision. You get to choose whether you receive or reject the message. That's your choice. God has given us that free will. He didn't create us to be robots. We get, a, we get to choose, either receive or reject this free.